We're all missing travel right now, but you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals and flights. And when you save more, you can do more. More, wow, mmm, and yes! Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, visit Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more out of it. And don't forget to download the Priceline app for even more savings. Welcome back, everyone, to the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, joined by my co-host, Joe DeMeo. And as we sit here, the Mets are four games under 500. We are officially in the final third of the shortened MLB season during this pandemic as the Mets will look to make playoff push here, expanded playoffs, really no excuse for them to not be in uh, the picture down to the stretch here, but we'll see how it goes. Joe, we're actually going to talk about some baseball today. How do we feel about that? Feeling pretty good. A little different. I mean, it, it's been fun to talk about Stevie Cohen, but uh, we're going to take we're going to take a little Stevie Cohen break. There's plenty of time for that. He's, you know, going to own the team going forward. So let's let's talk a little Mets baseball because we only have if whether they, you know 18 regular season games left. So we have very little time to talk about actual Mets baseball. So let's let's talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. They're four and two since our last show. This is a weekly show. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have new episodes for you, for everyone. Um, you know, usually Wednesday mornings, sometimes Tuesday evenings with some emergency pods sprinkled in. So they are four and two since our last episode, which on paper you sit there and go, okay, not a bad week. The problem is the most recent loss to the Phillies, a series they really could have taken three games to one. They end up splitting. It's a series that they needed. Uh, now it's going to be crunch time. We understand that Jacob DeGrom is going to pitch every fifth day. So he will not be, you know, he doesn't need the extra rest. They want to sneak in an extra DeGrom start. It sounds like he'll have four more starts to finish the season. If you needed any more reasons to realize how desperate the Mets are uh, for starting pitching. So that's obviously a very noteworthy thing. I think the most important question that I have for you, Joe, and that everybody's sitting here wondering is, can this team really make a run in what I'd call the final third of the season, but it's actually less than that. As we sit here, the Mets have 18 games left. Uh, by the time you listen, that might be 17 games. Looking at the schedule, looking at this team, notably the the problems with the starting pitching, Joe, where are you at right now in this final stretch for the New York Mets? I think they can make a run you know, to get into this, as you said, expanded playoffs with you know, so many teams making the playoffs, half the league making the playoffs. Uh, it certainly is possible, but I'm personally not feeling great about this team's chances. If if they do, let's call it sneak in for them to really progress very far. I mean, they have Jacob deGrom, and then after that, uh, it's Seth Lugo, I guess, or David Peterson, who didn't have a good outing yesterday. The starting pitching is going to hold them back. The bullpen is a disaster for the most part. Uh, Edwin Diaz has been good, and I'm alone on the Edwin Diaz love train, and I will gladly drive it. But really, no one else has really been that good. Familia uh, blew the game, and then Miguel Castro blew the game. And, you know, Castro, who we talked about a bit last week, you know, fun guy, great stuff, just 
he needs to work on location. I mean, he threw a 97-mile-an-hour sinker middle-middle, and Segura just hit a piss missile. So, like, he's got to work on his location, but, you know, there, there's a foundation to, you know, be interested in him going forward. But the bullpen's a disaster. The rotation's a disaster. And, frankly, the offense is the only reason the Mets are where they are. Uh, Alonzo has turned it on. Uh, Jeff McNeil's turned it on in a big way. Andres Jimenez has been a spark. Uh, Michael Conforo just doesn't stop. Dom Smith has been super productive. So they have they have offense. I mean, they lead Major League Baseball in batting average. They lead Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. And they're fifth in Major League Baseball in slugging percentage. So this is arguably, you know, the best offense in baseball. <laughs> and there's still four games under 500. The pitching is doing them in. And if they do sneak into the playoffs... You know, I think the pitching will do them in there, too. Well, that's kind of where I want to take this show today, right? Amongst There's a lot of problems, obviously, and this they're heightened in this shortened season where you need your starting pitching to give you a chance every single game. And for the Mets, it's been the combo of sometimes the starting pitching, a lot of times, doesn't give them a chance. Or the problem that the bullpen does not finish games. And But the positives of this is... The Mets not only have a great offense, a kind of the offense we expected them to have, minus Yoana Cespedes in the mix, they have a young offense, right? I think that's where it's exciting, where you look at this roster and you go, all right, well, next year this lineup is, is not going to look a whole lot different, plus or minus the catcher spot, which we've you know beaten that into the ground on this show, and we'll take a break from that today. Uh, and it'll be an off-season trend that we continue to talk about. But, you know, you look at this offense, whether they get a deal done or not, Michael Conforto will be a Met next year. Uh, you look at, you know, a guy like Dom Smith, a young player. Andres Jimenez, somebody I want to talk about a lot on this show. We'll get into that in a little bit. But this great offense is young, and it's going to be here for a while, where they just need to get the pitching right. And I think it gives you a lot of optimism for 2021 if you could take away some some really positive takes from this bizarro season. Now, it, when you look at it, why I want to really deep dive into Jimenez here is because I think for most Mets fans, and maybe not for you because you know you're you're so um, educated up on the farm system and and what these guys project as their ceiling, their floor, what they often end up as somewhere in the middle, maybe. But for most Mets fans. I think Jimenez might have been undersold or underhyped, or maybe the bigger degree is that we never thought he'd be in the majors this year because he was he just turned 22 a couple of days ago. I mean, he was a 21-year-old in spring training. But to me, the glove, the arm, the athleticism was a little bit undersold. Most importantly, and this might just be taking the momentum from the fall league where he really turned it on with the bat, but the bat and the approach at the plate is well advanced from what I expected. I mean, Andres Jimenez right now is the shortstop of the future. Now I'm not saying he's a star. I'm not saying he's the next Reyes, not saying he's going to be a Lindor kind of player, but he's not only an upgrade from Ahmed Rosario because of his consistency, but something lacking with this Mets team is defense. And this guy brings it. I mean, he brings a gold glove caliber kind of style 
at every position in the infield, but notably shortstop where he should find his home. Where are you at with Jimenez right now? What did you expect from him? Does this feel too soon? I, I mean, what as a farm system guy, what is your thoughts? And to me, this is just shocking, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Jimenez exceeded my expectations, certainly. Uh, I, I liked him. I never really loved him as a prospect. Uh, he was kind of too too small and didn't seem like he was really filling out, and he's still small. So I really had doubts as to what type of power he's going to tap into, but he, he's showing the ability to actually spray some line drives and barrel the ball up pretty consistently. So I've been impressed there, but really the glove, I've always known he was a great glove for sure, and I, I love that he's showing it at the big league level because – in the minor leagues, Rosario was an awesome glove too, and that's he what I'm got, saying. He got to the major leagues, and you know things really fell apart for Rosario. I, so as far as underhyped, yeah, I, I, I think he was. Uh, but we're certainly it's a small sample size, so it's not you know go crazy like you said. We're not saying he's Francisco Lindor. We're not saying he's going to be a multi-time All Star. But I think Andres Jimenez is proving that he's an everyday regular. And while that may not get everyone all excited. Everyday regulars don't grow on trees. It's not like every guy you call up is going to be an everyday regular. But not a he shortstop. No. So he could play shortstop or if, you know, I'm not closing the book on Ahmed Rosario yet. I'm not, you know, shipping I'm not ready to ship him out of town. I'm not necessarily ready to shift him to center field, but you have the option of Jimenez playing second base next year and Cano moving to more of a DH type role. And then if Rosario turns it around, he could be the shortstop. So you have options with Jimenez, which is a great thing. But no, he's impressed me. His baseball IQ is plus plus. You can tell that he's he's a professional baseball player, right? So he's not a guy that's, you know, the top tier athlete. Like he's an above average runner, not an elite runner. He's not a... Uh, elite base runner he's an above average runner but his baseball iq ticks that up a bit so while he may lack a little in tools he makes up for it with his iq and just knowledge of the game and they heard said on the broadcast yesterday uh when they got andrew knapp caught between third and home that uh, when cano threw the ball theirs jimenez saw it as the trail guy and had the iq tell cano go to third and then they had knapp in the rundown and that that kept the game alive at that point. Familia had blown the lead, but if Jimenez doesn't do that and Knapp scores, then you know, you're down. So he's doing a lot of the little things right, and it's super exciting to see all these young guys. And, and like you said, this lineup that's doing so great, it's none of no no one's leaving. Not one person from this lineup that's doing really well is leaving next year. Even Robinson Cano. I mean, he's a guy that, again, you know, harken back to the, the trade, everyone knows that trade was bad process. There's no question about that, and that will never be lost on me as I watch Jared Kelnick probably be very good for the Mariners. But I think it's time that Met fans start looking at what they got and say, all right, we can't worry about Jared Kelnick every single day. What's he going to be? Who knows? But since the second half, of last year and this year, Robinson Cano is hitting 302, 344 on base, 553 slugging, basically a 900 OPS guy. You're taking that every day of the week. It's just the fact that they gave up Jared Kelnick. So bad process, 
But the results, the Mets are getting fine results this year, granted in this shortened season, from the guys that they got. Cano struggled with injuries in the first half last year. He kept getting hit in the hand by baseballs, which was a bit of a problem. But he's hit. Edwin Diaz has pitched much better this year than last year, for sure. Whether you want, I understand people don't love him. They hate him, to be honest. And you may not be overly comfortable when he comes in the game. He walks a few too many guys. But you can't sit there and tell me that Edwin Diaz isn't drastically better than Edwin Diaz was last year. So they got they got pieces in place. So whether they make the playoffs this year, whether they make a run this year, this, this team is built where... You know, hope with new ownership coming in that 2021, they could make, if they make a few right moves, this team could be as good as any team in the National League. I think so, too. I think, you know, they're going to have to really supplement this rotation. We're going to see God. what Syndergaard we get back. We're going to see what happens with Stroman and free agency. We're going to see what Bowers market looks like. You know, you're going to be relying, of course, on DeGrom again to be DeGrom. You're going to be relying on Peterson to probably take on the the fourth, you know, the number four kind of role, maybe even the number three kind of role. We're going to see, you know, losing Justin Dunn in that trade is is another low-key thing that hurts. And, and his last three starts, he's given up two runs total. Uh, he's starting to figure it out over in Seattle as well. So the, the Mets, you know, they've given up a lot of pitching over the years, and, and they're going to have to supplement that whether it's through free agency, whether it's through the trade market, which I find very, very intriguing. But there is no doubt that, you know, minus signing a, a JT Real Muto, this lineup is almost complete. It's exciting. It's what we thought it would be. Now you got to look towards the pitching. And you do have to keep an eye on, I know he's, I feel like he's almost your guy at this point in Edwin Diaz. He re- he really does look sharp, it, you know. He really does, and I know that the high leverage situations are what's going to scare all of us. And it's but if even if he becomes an elite setup man at this point, and you go back to I don't know, maybe you go back to Lugo closing games next year. These are problems that we're gonna have a long winter to discuss because the pitching rotation is so thin right now. Lugo might genuinely might, be yeah, your he might just three be starter yeah yeah he might be your number three or four starter next year push peterson back to the four or five go sign someone i have this weird suspicion that Cindergard's going to be ready uh maybe i'm just a blind optimist or, or i just think he'll he'll return earlier than people expect even if you get him for june one i think that would be a win so that'll be very very interesting in how they calculate that into their offseason i think the final thing i wanted to talk about with this baseball team before we answer some questions is, you know, we're big fans of him on the show. I think almost every Met fan has, even if the ones that complained about his inconsistencies this year, they've come around. I mean, Michael Conforto right now is one of the best bats in baseball. And this is someone who obviously 10th overall pick in that year's draft. He's slowly gotten better each year. He's only 27 years old. He won't turn 28 until next March. This is the year where there's no more platooning him against lefties. You know, Keith calls him Iron Mike for a reason. He's out there playing every day, batting average up to around 350. This is the Conforto, I think above and beyond, the Conforto everyone had hoped for. You know, the strong arm in the outfield, a good leader, all those things are great. But he is an elite bat in baseball right now. 
and I think we're going to say it every show until it happens, you need to come out and pay Michael Conforto this winter because you need to show that you're serious about your young core, your homegrown talent that you've developed. And I'm really excited for this guy, whether he gets a single MVP vote or not or whatever. It's, you know, there's no all-star game this year, so which is a shame. But I, I just think it needs to be said, this is an unbelievable stretch of consistency we've seen from Michael Conforto this summer. And consistency has been his biggest problem in the past is he, he'd go on these stretches where you're like, that's Michael Conforto. And then all of a sudden he'd hit a funk again, but he's, he's impressing me in so many ways. I mean, he's hitting 310 against lefties and lefties have been killing him for his career. So he's, he's hitting lefties, he's hitting righties. He's going with the pitches that are away when Michael Conforto has typically you know, rolled those over into the shift. How many times would you see a slider away and Conforto just roll it over into the shift at second? Now he's taking it the other way, which is going to make teams not be able to shift as much against him. And then he has the ability to turn on baseballs. You know, when he's getting the fastballs in, you're seeing Conforto turn and hit them with velocity. So I couldn't be happier to see Michael Conforto hit the way he is. And like, like you said, you know, extending Michael Conforto certainly is something this team needs to look into ASAP. Uh, but, you know, as long as he's willing to, I don't I don't know how, if he wants to stay in New York long term, but I'm going to make him an offer that will make him want to stay in New York for the long term if I'm the Mets. So it, it's, it's great to see. Uh, certainly as a guy that covered him at Oregon State and just following him through the minors, I met him on his first day with the Brooklyn Cyclones. He didn't even have a Cyclones shirt, hat, nothing yet. He walked in and he had basically the Mets stuff that the Mets probably gave him at like his, uh, when he did BP at City Field. But yeah, he's great guy, a, a, a real leader on the team, an Iron Man, like you said, that's out there every day. He, he's the exact kind of guy you want to be building around. Him and Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil have to be considered, you know, the faces of this offense going forward. They really do. I think it's good to see Alonzo kind of turn it on down this stretch. Uh, who knew, who knew all he needed confident. was Todd Frazier's bats? Did you hear that? You or that, he right? changed the walk-up song to Electric Feel, which has definitely <laughs> been doing him wonders lately. So, you know, the heart of this order, or just how rounded this batting lineup is, it is exciting. And I, I know, I understand, Mets, but you have to be disappointed right now because the pitching fell apart. You know, I will be the first one to say Brody has has not made the best of moves but you just feel confident that forget the fact that Steve Cohen is buying the team being the sole reason it's that there's a core in place for when Cohen takes over that you are just supplementing the core with free agency buys or trades that you have the the cap the the cash flexibility to add on these guys. So you want to see the young players really turn it on down the stretch here, carry that momentum into next year. And it's just something that, you know, I I know I'll still watch uh, right until the very end, but we we have to take some fan questions. We've really loved answering these. Uh, We've loved the response to the show, you know, early so far. It's, it's been a blast. So thank you guys so much uh, for such a, a warm welcome to the Mets podcasting world. 
And this first one from at an insane Mets fan. That is a great username. We are all an insane Mets fan. Should the team's Mets performance, fans have the best handles. Mets they fans do have, have the best handles. Very, <laughs> very good usernames. Should the team's performance this year be taken at face value when assessing the roster going forward? It's a great question. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at a sixty game sprint here, right? Which is really just a, a couple months. So if Pete Alonso had a bad April and May in a full season, would you declare his season over? No. So uh, it's it's really a tough one. It's it's you know taking it at face value. I think I just look for the little things. Are they making the little improvements? Like I was just speaking on with Conforto making the little improvements of going the other way, being a more complete hitter. Alonzo is taking much better at bats, you know, the last week or so. He was in a crazy funk just chasing everything. He's swinging better. McNeil's swinging better. You know, I'm looking more for the little things than just looking at the stats. You know, I'm not just necessarily looking up what someone's batting average is this year or necessarily what their ERA is to assess them going forward. I'm looking for how they perform in certain situations and just, you know, more the little things in the game. Yeah, I would say I'm with you there. I think, you know, it's, it is tough when you really sum it up and go, man, if you hit, and a lot of great baseball players do, if you hit a big slump during this, it decimates half your season, right? That's the issue, which is why it's been so promising, um, you know, to see how consistent Conforto's been. But on the flip side, you've had McNeil really, really hit rock bottom at one point, and he's come out of it and looked like the Jeff McNeil we know. I think he was playing a little banged up on top of things. You know, we've seen Alonzo never really get into a groove, although it's starting to feel like he's he's getting that power stroke back of consistency. Um, you know, Cano was extremely hot. He's cooled off, but it's just been one of those things where, you know, they kind of really hammered on this in the first week of the season. If DeGrom wants to win his third Cy Young in a row, he can't really have more than one bad start, right? That's how, like, Max Freed just went on the IL and he was one of the Cy Young front runners. Now, Freed has not gone deep into a lot of games. It's been a lot of five-inning performances, but he's pitched very well. He's starting to look like the pitcher a lot of people expected him to be. The RA is down. The wins are up because the Braves give him a lot of run support. But an IL stint might completely wipe him off the board for a Cy Young. That's how, like, that is how short this season is. I mean, DeGrom can go have a five-win season and, and easily win the Cy Young this year. So I think there are certain things to take away from, like things I believe— I believe Jimenez is a phenomenal glove on the infield. I believe Dom Smith might be the best pure hitter on this team and needs to play every day. I, somewhere going forward, it, it, you know, I, the argument over first base or not over P is, an, is a tough one that you know is probably not an argument for today. Like those are things I believe. I think Michael Conforto could be a franchise player that you you pay. Um, you know, I I think catcher is defensively is just a black hole on this team forever now where I could have saw one week of the season and told you that. So those are things that I personally believe in. While, you know, you, you caught some hard luck on the pitching staff that I think that's tough to say. Like, you know, Stroman opting out, Syndergaard not 
uh, missing the whole year. And if he was ever going to miss one, this was it. You know, Porcello and Waka, okay, that's, you know, we know what they are at this point. But Peterson's a rookie. There's going to be really bad starts, but there's been some really good ones. It's just kind of picking and choosing and being realistic what you have to take away from this team. No, I, I totally agree. And there's, like you said, like, looking at the young guys, that's really where I want to put my focus, truly. Like, Michael Walk and Rick Porcello were signed for one-year fill-in deals. I don't really, like, I'd, yeah, prefer, I, I'd prefer that they were good, but the fact that they weren't is just kind of, eh, it is what it is. You know, they came in, they did whatever they did for, you know, this 60-game stretch, and, you know, adios. Uh, I, I'm more worried about the young guys that I know that are going to be here next year. And let's be honest, more of them impressed this year than did not, for the most part. So you have to be optimistic about the core going forward. And that's really what's most important is the core of this franchise and everything around it you fill in through free agents, through trades, and you know, hopefully continuing through the draft. I think also... You know, there's something to be said where... Because there's going to be a lot of conversation around Ahmed Rosario. I think the problem with Rosario, and while one of the things I will take away from this season is... Sure, he's 24 years old. And we've seen some really big moments for him, for a young player. I don't think the bat will ever be consistent enough to make up for a mediocre at best glove. That's my problem with Rosario. He's a great athlete. But his approach at the plate and his horrible, horribly inconsistent defense, that's one where, I mean, I've been, I've been a believer for a while, but at some point you have to sit there and go, man, we don't have time to wait for this to come around because we have another option on this team that gives us defense and speed, two things we don't have on this lineup in this roster right now. So that's one of the more negative ones that I look at, and yeah. unfortunately, that I do think the clock is ticking there. I agree. I think Rosario this offseason would be wise to start getting some reps in center field in all of his offseason workouts because uh, he may not have a starting job with this team if he's on the team. Like I said, I'm not rushing to trade him because I think you're selling low if you do. Very low. But, you know, he maybe he ends up being a utility guy speed off the bench and yeah you know, that's a disappointment because this guy was legitimately ranked the best prospect in baseball not the Mets best prospect everybody <laughs> he was better than he was a higher ranked prospect uh Keith Law was most notable that had him number one overall and that's a disappointment when a number one overall prospect doesn't even prove out to be a consistent average regular so I, I think Rosario just needs to expand his horizons and maybe be willing to play some center field, play some second base, play some shortstop. And, you know, that that might be his role on the 2021 Mets is off the bench. He can still run, so, you know, some speed off the bench and some positional flexibility. I think that's his best chance to help the Mets in 2021. I'm just, like, I'm with you, and I'm a Rosario guy, and I can't trust and call Ahmed Rosario a starting anything on the Mets in 2021 where we stand today. Doesn't mean he can't prove me wrong and earn his way back into the lineup. Of course he can. He, like you say, he's 24. He has a baseline of talent. It just hasn't put it together. Uh, so I, I won't count on him as a starter, but I'm not pushing him out the door. I, don't, I, don't, I think that would be a little short-sighted. 
this next one from at RJP Quad Season. What does a Conforto extension look like? So I looked into this a little bit, and I'm going to peg him probably around five years and 25 to 27 million dollars a year is something is where i guess i think his arbitration number is going to jump big uh next year of course and you gotta pay to keep him out of free agency with scott boris so i think you're looking at you know almost yoannis cespedes type value so 27 maybe give or take and put it over five years and for me i think that's what it's probably gonna have to take to get him to listen I, I don't think he I don't think he can pull more than thirty at this point. So if he's willing to accept, I think in arbitration to get a five year deal at twenty five to twenty seven million dollars a year has to be pretty enticing for him. Question is, is that enticing to the Mets? Uh, it should be, <laughs> but I don't know. I think when you look at this one, we'll start with his age. Right, he's going to turn twenty eight in the spring. So, say the first year of a potential new contract or when an extension starts, he's going to be 28, which is a good age for a free agent in baseball. A lot of guys hit at 30. You know, Real Muto is going to hit at 30. You know, not everybody's Bryce Harper, you know, where they come up so young. And Conforto did come up very young. He got drafted and was up and, you know, hitting home runs in the World Series, what, like a year and a couple months later. So, yeah. Conforto's what you consider uh, on track to be a young free agent, which benefits him, but it also benefits the Mets and gives you more incentive to get this one done. You look at some of the contracts in baseball, right? Like Bryce Harper, 27.5 mil. Now that deal was very, very long. What I wonder with, yeah. What I wonder with Conforto is, do does he want, to hit free agency again, right? Like you said, a five-year deal. So that would put him as, you know, he'd be having free agent discussions as as a 32-year-old, which is fine. It's not old in baseball, especially for a corner outfielder, uh, and that contract would start at 33. That's possible. I I agree with you. I think he could look at a five-year deal because it might give him that chance to cash cash in twice. Now, for the Mets, if you believe this is going to be one of your franchise cornerstones, this might be a seven- or eight-year deal. This might take him till he's 35. Because he's a corner outfielder, you know, he's obviously kept himself in good shape and he's a good athlete. I could see this being a seven-year deal. I do think that number will, will be around $27 million a year. And that's fine. I mean, I, I don't – I do not care. Let me just say that. I – I would pay Conforto that. I don't have a fear over that. Um, I think he's only getting better. And I think, once again, the budget this team has coming in, this isn't like when they paid David Wright and it's like, okay, nobody else is getting signed for 10 years. (laughs) It's not like that. So you don't worry as much about the money being dumped into this one on top of the fact that I'm just a believer that it's worth it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I imagine with Scott Boris, if – you talk a seven-year deal pre-arbitration. You'll probably throw one of those opt-outs into it after three years or or something like that. You know, it's a typical Boris tactic. So that that might end up being the case. But no, I'm pursuing a Michael Conforto extension is certainly a priority in my eyes. Uh, it's just a matter of you know finding a number and a length that works for the Mets. 
and works for Conforto. And Scott Boris is willing to hear it out because, you know, Scott Boris certainly likes to bring his players to free agency as much as possible. So you sometimes have to give a little more to get him to take something early. All right, this last one from at John Hidalgo 20. Bullpen makeover is badly needed. What top and mid-tier guys would you target? It's really not a strong bullpen free agent class. And frankly, I don't believe in building a bullpen through free agency. You saw the Colorado Rockies do that a couple of years ago, and they signed oh, Wade, Wade, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and Jake McGee. And that was, whoa, the Rockies bullpen's going to be great. Awful. You do not build bullpens that way. You build bullpens by converting starters in the minor leagues to relievers, by finding the under-the-radar guys, using your analytics team that hopefully will be growing under new ownership. And, you know, you have to find these under-the-radar guys because every year there's a guy that signs a one-year $1.5 million deal that is pitching to a 2-5 ERA. So you have to be able to find those undervalued assets and develop your starters that you don't think are going to be starting pitchers long-term, you convert them into the bullpen. But for free agents, I did look. A couple names I would say to keep an eye on. Liam Hendricks of the A's, who's one of the better closers in baseball right now. He's He's been awesome. He's a free agent, and I can't imagine Oakland's going to be paying a reliever. Kirby Yates, he's injured, so maybe he's one of those guys you could get a you could get a deal on where you incentive Laden kind of thing. And then you're looking at not a whole lot else. It's it's kind of a weak free agent class. So yeah, I I'd love to give you, you know, a list of guys that are gonna be awesome, but it's it's not a class that excites me too much, which is why I thought we'll see how good he ends up being. Early results not so great but why I thought the Miguel Castro trade did make some sense at the time because this free agent class is not strong and there's questions how many relievers you're actually going to bring back next year. Justin Wilson's a free agent. Dellen Patances will presumably pick up his player option at this point because he was injured and not good, but you don't, you don't have him locked in. Jerry's family has been, you know what he is, he's certainly a headache. So, And if Seth Lugo's in the rotation... You don't have reliable arms. You have you have to make it's not it's going to be tough to build a bullpen next year. I I really think so. But there's a couple options like I mentioned, Kirby Yates and Liam Hendricks would certainly be at the top of the list. Blake Trinan's another name that makes some sense. Uh, he's he's pitched well for the Dodgers. He signed another. He was one of those one year deals kind of in the Dell and Batances range. But those are really the guys that kind of intrigue me. There's. It's not much. It's it's unfortunate because it's a big need, but they're going to have to utilize trades. They're going to have to utilize trying to get one of those big guys maybe and hope for rebounds from guys like Batances. Uh, you you hate to you hate to say that going into new ownership and all that that uh you have to hope for the rebound, but that's the nature of the beast with bullpen arms. It's you know, up and down change, years. Up and down years. So you have to you have to hope for bounce backs. There's not really much of a way around it, and there's not many prospects that you can look at that say oh, this guy's going to really help out the bullpen next year. Riley Gilliam is probably a prospect to keep an eye on. He was a fifth round pick a couple years ago out of Clemson. He was a closer there and closer for the college team USA. He's got some good stuff, but 
no, it's it, there's not much coming from the farm, so they have to find those undervalued assets. That's really where I'd like to see them excel is find that find that guy that signs the one year one point five million dollar deal and then pitches great for you. Yeah, it's kind of been uh, Brad Brock has been one of those guys for the Mets. Yeah. I mean, he he has a player option next year for one point two five million. I don't think he'll take that. He'll probably explore the market and get some more. He's somebody I would look to bring back. You know, like you said, Batanzas is probably going to pick up his $6 million player option. They could buy him out for three. I don't really think they'll do that. You might as well just see if you can get a bounce back year from Batanzas, get him healthy, get him right. I think closer is quietly an interesting offseason topic for this team. I don't know how you go into next year and just hope Edwin Diaz is the guy. And maybe you do, but I think you'd like to have a second option to close games. But you're realistically going to be looking at a bullpen that is – Diaz, who has been, you know, good. He just you don't know if you want him in the highest of leverage situations. If Lugo's a starter, that opens up a big hole. Batanzas's health is a question mark. Familia, like you said, Joe, is familia. Um, you know, Justin Wilson will be a free agent. Don't really care about that one. Uh one sure, of my yeah. least favorite relievers. I I know he's <laughs> had some good moments, but man, yeah. I just I don't see it anymore. Um, you know, and and like I said, Brock's been a really nice surprise for the Mets now for for two short seasons here but it like you said they're gonna have to get a little creative it's it's not something you go out and probably buy up because that market just doesn't exist you're gonna have to look at your farm system you're gonna have to maybe pull off a trade or two you're gonna have to hope maybe Miguel Castro is a guy that your idea for ideal for him is to be a seventh inning guy you know he really is I think Familia has shown he's not ultimately reliable in that role anymore. Batanzas can't be relied on for that role anymore. I, I am a big fan of Diaz in the eighth. I really am. Um, but once again, that the door is uh, wide open for the seventh and ninth, and it's uh, it's it's not the flashiest thing building the bullpen, but man, it's necessary. So. That wraps wraps up another episode of That's So Mets. A fun one. It's always good to talk about the actual team, uh, get away from the business side for a week. And I'm sure by the time we catch up together and and with you guys next week, we're going to basically be in a situation where we're still talking about the Mets in a playoff hunt or we're going to be talking about what the hell the Mets need to do uh, once the owners approve Steve Cohen. And and hopefully I just saw something pop up about A-Rod. Uh, still thinking he's in the bidding, and I'm just I can't take it anymore. So go away, <laughs> Joe. Closing <laughs> thoughts. Closing thoughts here. No, it was awesome pod. Glad to actually talk baseball and I, uh, pretending to be businessmen, <laughs> like we've oh, done the last couple of weeks. You we know, we put on it. our clip-on ties yeah, and, and exactly. Up the phones. We ma- we made it work, but no, excited to actually talk baseball because that's you know truly what we love. So excited to continue on, and you know we'll, we'll see what the next few days bring and you know make sure you subscribe rate we're getting some five-star ratings and we really appreciate that from everyone that's doing that and follow the twitter at that's so mets pod follow connor at connor j rogers follow me at psl2 flushing and yeah really excited about how this podcast is going so far and really appreciate all the great feedback we're getting on twitter and in the itunes reviews so Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, everyone. We will catch you next week. 
Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.